Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's the list. And you girl. At Fightful.com. With Denise Salcedo. And Sean Rossap. They're on fire. Boom shakalaka. 200 strong. Sub Denise. What's up? That intro had me cracking up, by the way. I wonder if it showed right on, on the broadcast. It was it was being kind of weird earlier, but eh, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. On my end. Ah, it's the list in your girl. It's number seven. Lucky number seven. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited to be back on. Especially, I, you know, ever the first time that you invited me, I thought I was only going to be on once. And now here we go. Number seven. You thought it was, you thought it would just be once? Yeah. Why, why would you think that? You're, you're incredible. I don't know. I just kind of felt like I was a, you know, one-time thing. Wow. All right, guys. Well, leave a thumbs up. Subscribe. Tap the bell for notifications. Oh, you're going to want to subscribe to Fightful Select because I've been breaking all kinds of news over there. And, um... I got a lot on the Lars Sullivan thing, but uh, donate your super chats if you want your questions or statements read on the air. Denise is joining me. This is the seventh one, Denise, in just about a year. Has it really just been in a year? It, r- right. Roughly a year. I was what I was going to tell you. I was like, I wonder if he's going to fix his camera because my head just looks way bigger than Sean's right now. Well, that's the thing about Streamyard is I can't make my head bigger, but I can make myself like higher up than you. Yeah, I, I was like, be... I was thinking about it, but I wasn't going to say anything. My God, uh, guys! Again, send your super chats in, like our boy Evan did. He says, "Surely Rosa and Britt doesn't get the Joel Pearl nine thirty p.m. spot, right? Match feels like a massive deal and might be the best women's match for them ever." So that's that's one of the criticisms of AEW is that they always slot their women in the 930 spot. You, you know how long the match is going. You know it's it's just going to be the same thing. I think Rosa and Britt Baker, they deserve a better spot than the spot that has always been there. To me, this is the most anticipated women's match in AEW history, but how do you feel? 
I was about to say that this is the match that's actually had a build. Like they actually did, you know, pre-match attacks, pre-match, uh, you know, promos, you name it. They've actually been building up to this where I personally am pretty, I'm looking forward to this match, especially because we haven't seen Thunder Rosa, in, you know, in action in a minute or two. Yeah, I'm so excited for it too. My favorite performers in the world. I think they're awesome. And I think this is a real opportunity for AEW to kickstart their women's division that they have not kickstarted in a year and a half. Far too often, they have champions that just get forgotten about. They just become champion, and then all of a sudden, meh, okay, well, you'll you see them pop up on TV once or twice a month instead of seeing them get a real focus. Britt Baker is the biggest name in that division right now, by far. Serena Deeb has been incredible. Uh, Hikaru Shida is the champion. She's the longest reigning champion, so she's valuable. And then you got Riho coming back. You've got uh, Nyla Rose, who's a former champion there. But Thunder Rosa has been big for AEW. And I'm sure that the moment they can snatch her away from NWA, they're going to do it. I mean, I know that uh, from what I heard, Rosa already wanted to head over to AEW. And and why wouldn't you when, when you've got this potential and you're being booked like she is? But I think this is a real opportunity for him. Yeah, and I'm really happy for her because when I was talking to Thunder Thunder Rosa, I remember when we were, this was kind of just when she had just made a couple of appearances on AEW, but then we hadn't seen anything of her for quite a while. And when I spoke to her, I asked her about that. And she basically said, like, I'm just waiting for the call. It's just a matter of time and waiting when they actually call me. And then I think a couple weeks later, they were building towards this match. So it's nice to see how this is sort of unfolded. Yeah, it's worked out well. I mean, Thunder Rosa has gotten a great amount of exposure, and she is a woman who, much like Britt Baker, was kind of thrown in the fire. Britt Baker had more experience than than Thunder Rosa when she started on TNT, but uh, she did not have a lot of television experience when Dynamite started. And all these people were like, oh, well, Britt Baker's got to be the face of the division, and she's got to be as good as Sasha Banks because she's she was the first signing. Well, that's just not a realistic goal for someone who – never went through developmental, was going through dental school while she wrestled. Like she had to have time to adapt to it. And I think she was one of the most improved wrestlers of the year. And that's with her missing a significant portion of the year. Yeah, I can only imagine. I think it's just a matter of actually, you know, putting some focus in on the women, which they're starting to do that. This is a good, this is a good beginning. This match is a good start. Evan Wright says, Thunder Rosa is actually ranked now, but they made it a thing for FTR to be off the rankings until they signed. Any news on her coming in full-time? Well, what Billy Corgan had said, Denise, was that Thunder Rosa's deal was up at the end of the year. She was signed through the year. However, in a conversation that I had had with Nick Aldis, he had indicated something a little bit different, but not that different. But uh, if things were held to what I had heard, she would still be under NWA contract, but that's something I'm going to actively try to find out. Uh, but I, I don't think that I've been as excited for a women's match in AEW as I have been for Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, two outstanding characters, two outstanding performers. Britt Baker has went above and beyond to, to improve in the ring this year. Her transitions have been so smooth and I'm, I'm a chain wrestling dork. I love that stuff. I think this, her, her personality too. It does. It does really well. It, it it comes off really well on camera. Yeah, and Thunder Rosa, like Thunder Rosa, is Thunder Rosa. That's how she is. She's very passionate, and I, I don't want to call her like a drill sergeant, but she is like 
she's almost I, I consider her like the mother of independent wrestling right now. Like she is running so many different things from schools to booking, uh, booking Mission Pro to working NWA to working AEW to helping people like Alex Gracia get get better and improve. Like there are so many people that are benefiting from learning from Thunder Rosa. And she's already had experience in Lucha Underground, in NWA, in AEW, uh, in ROH. She's been I got around. to work with her in Arolucha. Several shows. Oh, Arolucha. Yeah, I forgot about met. that. Yeah, that's I how we met. I forgot about that. Arolucha veteran Denise Salcedo. <laughs> hey, put me in the Hall of Fame, all right? Did you know that we sarcastically invested in that? You told me. Don't, 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 you told me. That was two years of my life right there. Oh, Let's I not love talk it. About it. Let's not talk about it. Oh, but at least I met a lot of people on those cards, one of them being Thunder Rosa. The card for those shows looked really, really good. They like, were really, really good, Sean. I don't think you, there was so much potential there. I mean, they had like Sammy there, James Storm, Shane Helms. There were just they so a, many. They had a lot of uh, they had a lot of Mexican stars before they even got signed to places like Ring of Honor, way before AEW was even a thing. I mean, they had so much potential. I'm I'm looking at the tapings right now. Rey Mysterio, Pentagon, John Morrison, Roosh, uh, Angel Garza, uh, Shane Rey Helms. Mysterio. You yeah. know, I got to sing Happy Birthday to Rey Mysterio really? in a ring full of people in Nashville sold out. My God! Oh, one of our one of our writers was at that show. Oh actually. wow! Yeah, but I mean, like Thunder Rosa, Kylie Ray, Austin Theory, Myron Taya. Reed, who, Taya was on that show. My God, they had so many. So, like, what they they flew you? They flew you out to Nashville, did they? Yeah, they did, That's and awesome. they paid for like hotel and like flight and everything. And I mean, it was fantastic. Did you get any free CM or? or uh, what is it? Um, the the cannabis stuff that they're selling now? No, but I do have a really funny story that involves cannabis. Really? <laughs> I don't know if I should tell it. You wanted to, it's really quick. Yeah. So when we were traveling, uh, you know, obviously Conan was part of it, and I love Conan. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And like we did an interview too, so we had a good time talking and whatnot. But when we were traveling together, we were, I think it was after a show. We were going to Subway or something, and he like asked me just out of nowhere. Like if I smoked <laughs> and I was like, no, I felt so lame, Sean, like so lame looking at Conan in the face and saying, I don't smoke, but it was such a funny like moment for me. It's something that like I treasure. Well, I can tell you that in the last year and a half, the only thing that we as sarcastic investors have heard from Aralucha is them sending us an email about their CBD project product. And that's it. Otherwise we haven't heard of anything. Evan Wright says he needs Denise's thoughts on Brody Jr.'s commentary. Have you heard any of that lately? No, I haven't heard it yet. No. He, he told Excalibur to shut up and it popped Taz. Like, Taz loved it. But based on what he, like, the times that I've had heard him speak on the mic, especially, like, the when they did the birthday celebration, yeah. I'm not surprised. Like, he just has, like, this instant, like, it's funny. Like, whatever he says is funny. He gets it. It, it is very funny. Yeah. Rob Wilkins says, Carl Anthony Towns returning to practice with a Bash at the Beach shirt. Let's go. Who wins the tag team battle royal? Also, the last battle royal I covered was a disaster. I'm going to have to see all the teams in it. Somebody drop me a list of all the teams and oh, we'll answer it. I might have it. So I know it's the Young Bucks. It's yes. Jurassic Express. It's Santana and Ortiz. 
I have it on here. Give me one second. I know it's here. And, oh, I've, I've um, got it. I got it. Oh, okay. John Silver and Alex Reynolds are are involved. Yeah, I mean, I I I think it's. I think oh, it's probably. I have. I finally had the list. <laughs> Who do you think is going to win this one? All right. So based on what happened last week, though, I really do think that they're teasing, like with the Young Bucks essentially teasing the fact that if they won, they would essentially challenge the Good Brothers. That's why I do think that it's going to be the Young Bucks. But let's just say it's not the Young Bucks. I would ideally well, they're, like to Yeah, they, they get to pick who they who they want to face. If yeah, Right, okay. right. So if, if let's just say they don't win, though, they're not going that direction. I would probably go with Santana and Ortiz. I think they would be a good option. And if not them, I would say uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, since they have been being focused a little bit more. So yeah. I would go with either of those options. Here's a good way that I think, and AEW is very good with this stuff, to set something up. Young Bucks are in it, and they're the foregone conclusions to to win, right? So whoever actually wins the match gets a match with the Young Bucks. But if a team that doesn't win eliminates the Young Bucks, the Young Bucks are going to be mad and they're going to push for a match with them. So that way you book multiple weeks of TV. So then whoever eliminates them, they get a match with the Young Bucks, whether it's title or non-title, just because they want to. And then you get the team that actually wins the match. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's Alex Reynolds and John Silver in one of those spots because they've been kind of getting the push, uh, the Dark Order push of late. I, 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 you I see feel them. Though, like there's quite a bit of teams that have been getting like more momentum, but necessarily nothing that has essentially skyrocketed them just yet, you know, to that FTR young bucks level. Yes. Um, <laughs> Evan writes his week 1500 asking if Kenta will show up tonight. I got some news on that coming up uh, on probably probably early next week. I'll get a confirmation on Fightful Select. But Andrew Monaghan says, any word on a Hall of Fame ceremony this year? Last I heard, they were planning on doing the people that were supposed to be inducted last year, this year. And that makes sense to me, Denise. Oh, they have to do it that way. Like the announcements were already made. You know, I'm sure the excitement was already up in the air. So I think that would be the best decision. Evan Wright says, New Japan announcement tomorrow. Any ideas? I would imagine it's probably the TV thing. I can't say that for certain, but I would imagine it's probably the TV thing. And uh, before we're going we're gonna to save the Lars thing for a little bit because we've already got some super chats about Edge on NXT. Edge pops up on Twitter yesterday, Denise, and says, you know what? I'm in Orlando visiting my wife, and I just realized that NXT needs me. MC Carvalho says, absolutely stoked for Edge on NXT. But on AEW, Ty Conchi has improved immensely. AEW is good for her. The Edge thing, like, I'm I'm a staunch defender of the brand split. Like, I love the brand split. I like them following it. I'm not, I don't have a problem with this for multiple reasons. Edge is a free agent. He was never drafted in, in last October's draft. Two, He's got the golden ticket. He's got an excuse to be on that show. It wasn't like all those dorks on Friday showing up at, before the Royal Rumble on a show they weren't on. He has a reason. He can challenge whatever title he wants. And I think him showing up here on NXT makes that seem more important, Denise. 
I'm actually quite excited for this because obviously like we don't know what's going to happen, what's going to go down. And I think it's just having that type of star power on NXT is only going to provide benefits. And Finn Balor, like honestly, everything that they've been doing, Finn Balor, Kyle O'Reilly, all of the stuff that's been going on NXT has been some of the stuff that some of the best stuff I'm seeing right now in wrestling period when it comes to the main event scene. It's very, very strong. And so if they like, you know, have any sort of like edge Finn Balor moment, I would completely mark out for that i think that'd be very excited to see and so i feel like only good can come of this yeah and i think there could be a lot of really like interesting interactions there like people from nxt saying we couldn't even get in the rumble and now you want to show up here and take our title shot and stuff like that because no nobody from nxt was in the men's rumble denise so they've got a legitimate gripe they've got a reason they and they they've got i mean Karrion Cross could pop up. I never lost my title. What are you doing here coming after the thing that I never lost, even separate of the championship itself? And uh, I, I think it's good. Uh, Stellar Justin Lopez says, I have no issue with Edge winning the Rumble, but the age disparity in this year's Rumble is a telling sign they got to start pushing new talent. They do. And I had people trying to tell me, oh, WWE, let's make new stars. What about, what about Rollins and Raids and all these people? There ain't a one person they have that is on John Cena's level. And Denise, I think they've got a lot of people that could be on John Cena's level. I think they have a lot of people that could be that good. But when you book win-loss, 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 and you make people look stupid all the time, I don't know if anybody's going to get there. Where do you stand on the age thing as it relates to a guy like Edge? It doesn't bother me. I mean, I... I, it doesn't bother me in the sense that, yeah, I wanted somebody like a Bianca Belair, like when she, you know, her winning the Rumble was fantastic. It was the right person, like I said, somebody to win the Rumble that would skyrocket them into that next level, really make them a star in one night. That's what we got from that Rumble. But from the men's Rumble, it felt different. The men's Rumble, I didn't think that when we were all talking about who our predictions were for who was going to win the, win the Rumble, I don't think many of us really had any new young up and coming stars really listed as somebody that would potentially win the men's Royal Rumble. It was all like Daniel Bryan, Edge, people who not necessarily need it, but it's more of a nice accomplishment for them to have when they look back at the things that they did in the company. And that's why I think that both Rumbles were very different in that sense and the outcome. But the age thing, I just kind of feel like, look, if they're still doing good work, then all right, so what, the age thing. But at the same time, yes, I do want to see, you know, the younger talent come up, actually get a shot, just get an opportunity to even get to a certain level. I feel like a lot of guys don't even get the opportunity to really, really even try to get to any level above from where they are currently on the roster, which is unfortunate. But in terms of like edge winning, it doesn't bother me whatsoever. I think the story was perfectly, um, I think the story was perfectly fine. And I can see reasons as to why they had edge win the rumble. Yeah, there were, there was a lot made about there only being two people under the age of 30 in the Royal rumble. And it didn't bother me that much because you you would look at Bianca Belair and say, okay, well, they helped make a new star there, right? Exactly. She'll be 32 at WrestleMania. I mean, am I going to complain about her not being under 30? No. 
I'm no, not. She's got the talent. She's got the athleticism. She's more athletic than probably, yeah. I don't know, whoever's younger than her, but I'm sure she's probably, she's on another level. That's why for sure. me, the being over age of 30 doesn't necessarily bother me. And then also like, well, like who's to say that after you turn 30, you can't do anything more in your life. You can't be relevant, you know? Yeah, the shelf life of a wrestler is longer than ever, except maybe in like the 70s, 80s when people weren't bumping. They were they just weren't bumping and you you would see people wrestle into their late 40s and early 50s a lot more. In the in the 90s and 2000s, it did not happen nearly as much. Like it was it was an anomaly, so to speak. Uh, Throwback 27 says, with Edge being on NXT tonight, do you see the possibility from now till Mania him working on all brands? Because his time could his time with NXT make a major impact? I don't think it could make a major impact. I think it was very smart of them to do it because AEW has a major show tonight. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, look at them counter programming. Well, yeah. Why they wouldn't have they? To. Why wouldn't they, Denise? They have to. It's it's like, this is what I never get. Like when people say like, oh, look at AEW doing this or look at WWE doing this. Put yourself in that situation. If you're running a business, if you're a store, you're cutting hair and then there's a salon that opens up right across the street. You're dang right. There's going to be competition. People are going to be doing things to try to get the customer, try to get the client. It's really nothing, you know, out of this world. And I prefer it that way. I like the fact that I have more than one show to be hyped about. I mean, granted, it is a challenge considering, you know, covering both shows. But if I'm just a viewer and, you know, I have options after, you know, AEW, I can watch NXT. Oh, great. My whole Wednesday night is filled. I have I'm not going to be bored today. You know, there's options for people and competition is good. And again, Staunch defender of the brand split, am I? I like it. I hated what happened last Friday. I thought it was so stupid. But Edge is a free agent. Edge has the golden ticket. It makes sense. I want my show to make sense. And Edge popping up on every brand until he makes that decision makes sense. Even afterwards, like I said, guy's a free agent. He didn't get drafted. I don't mind it at all. Braun Strowman popping up on SmackDown. Well, that didn't necessarily make too much sense to me. Uh, get your super chats in, guys, much like my friend Matt Payne did. He said, Edge on all three shows would be great. Would love to see him and Christian go to NXT and face some of the teams there. Undisputed Era, Grizzled Young Vets, MSK, Straight Money. That would be very entertaining. I would really like that. Edge and Christian to both, like, to both exploit the fact that we didn't get drafted. We're free agents. We can go to NXT. We can go to SmackDown. And then if you're going to get a little bit more solid with them, if they're going to be there more often, like Edge says he will be, he claims he'll be there weekly. After WrestleMania or after whatever happens, you can settle them where they need to be. Yeah, exactly. And I also kind of feel like every like couple of months, there's like a patch where we see certain people appearing on multiple shows. I mean, obviously for different reasons, but we have seen certain patches where like, oh, we know we're going to see, uh, you know, this person across multiple brands. I don't know. It's weird. Now, I had a conversation with somebody and I'm not trying to throw them under the bus, but I there were people that were like, well, they made Bianca Belair a star. There you go. And I was like, wait. Wait, me and Denise covered Monday Night Raw for seven straight months, and she wasn't on the show. They called her up. They couldn't find anything to do with Bianca Belair for seven months, Denise. That's not a plan. That's not a good thing. And people were like, oh, well, obviously it worked. It's not a good thing that they sat her on the bench for seven months. 
And people were like, oh, well, rather than 50-50 her or beat her. And I was like, those aren't the only options. Just because WWE has booked their show in a way that makes you think that being on TV means you have to either be the champion, 50-50, or beaten. That's that's not the only way. They could have done something with her for seven months. I think the reason why the Bianca Belair winning won, winning the Rumble actually worked was not necessarily because of how she was being booked before the Rumble. I think it was more the, fan, the fans really seeing and knowing the potential of Bianca Belair and wondering whether or not WWE would pull the plug on her. And the fact that they did and the fact that they're actually making a new star out of her I think that is what carried more than how she had been booked previously I mean obviously you know just the fact that any match that she had that where she showcased athleticism definitely helped but I wouldn't necessarily say that her booking prior to the rumble was all that fantastic it was just oh it was regular it was terrible before the Bailey thing before the Bailey thing it didn't exist she wrestled seven times on raw in seven months and like almost against Zelina, right? They were like all against Zelina. She faced Zelina a bunch, and then she faced, I think, Riot Squad, or she was with Riot Squad a couple times. That was it. They acted like, well, 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 that's not a good thing. She is a generational talent. She's a very special. And to have her and not use her, and it's it's the WWE method. We saw this with AOP an awful lot, Denise. Yeah, it was a was team. <laughs> Yeah, it was a team that they looked at and they're like, oh my God, they're going to be really good one day. They're going to be champions one day. So let's call them up. Oh, but but they're not going to be champions right now. So what do we do with them? Better take them off TV. We, do, we don't have anything for them right now. It's not time for their push right now. So let's just take them off TV. That's what happened with Bianca Belair. It wasn't her time last spring, summer, fall. So they're like, well, let's just take her off TV. That's not good. That's a very bad thing. You should be able to have the confidence in your roster, in Bianca freaking Belair, one of the best talent in the world, that they can do something almost every week or two to four times a month that will keep themselves over. It was just Oh my God, I don't understand it. It was the saving of the talent. Like, let's wait. It's not her moment yet. We want to focus on Sasha Banks or whatever, whoever it is that they're focusing at the time. And that's just one of the things that is like, it's a big mistake because like, imagine if you go back in time and you tell, I don't know, the rock. Sorry, you can't get over right now because we're pushing somebody else. Or sorry to McFoley, we can't push you right now because we're pushing somebody else. Uh, you know, if you go back and you think about that era, there were so many different there were multiple stars during that time, multiple people for you to be interested in. And I don't necessarily think we have that as strongly right now. You could definitely name a few people, but in terms of like it, it really isn't that many when you really think about it. And and the reality is they knew they wanted to push her because she was winning every single match on main event. They called her up in April, and by the end of that month, she was on main event. After that, she wrestled 10 matches on main event, and she would wrestle four matches on And then Raw. she did that poison angle with Zelina and the Street Profits where Zelina poisoned Montez Ford, and then she yeah. was super pissed. That was terrible. <laughs> she deserved better. And, I mean, she was beating Ruby Riot 200 times on main event, and she, they were they were good. They were fun. But you know if somebody's getting a push, they're on Raw. That's it. Evan Wright says, hope we get AOP versus Bear Country someday. Uh, I'm hoping a- a- AOP end up in AEW. But, 
you know, speaking of AOP. speaking of female talents and speaking of AEW, I got an interview with Shaza McKenzie dropping this week, guys. And we talked about her getting booked at AEW All Out. This interview drops on Thursday. Take a look at this clip. I kept in contact with Brandy and everyone like that. Um Throughout the time, she'd always told me that they were gonna that they were doing like a battle royale at um, all out. Like she told me, like that's probably what we're looking at, you know, doing. Um, so then, about a month before it, um, I, I I I guess I followed up, or maybe she just messaged me out of the blue, and she's like, "Look, like um, unfortunately, like with visas and everything, like we're just we're not going to be able to um, use you." And um, it's just not going to go ahead at, at this point in time. So this is about a month out of all out. Um, so then I went into a deep depression, um, you know, ate my body weight worth of everything I could find because I'd spent, you know, like the past seven, eight months being like, I'm fucking making it, guys. This is it. Let's go. <laughs> uh, and then I was just like, oh, I hate my life. Um, and so then I was miserable for like two weeks. And then one morning I just woke up. And I had a text message and she said, hey, are you still free on August 31st? And I said, yes. <laughs> yes, I am. No, Brandy Rhodes. Uh, I am, in fact, busy on that day. I, goodbye. I have, <laughs> I have my job, but that's okay. I will tell them goodbye um, because this is more important. Um, but, yeah, and then, like, two weeks, I had two weeks notice and I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't know. Like, panic. Like, it was such a like, like roller coaster of life. But that's wrestling. Wrestling is a fucking roller coaster. Evidently. I don't like. It's just people don't talk about how much of a like you go from these super highs to these like just you just fucking crash and then you have to go up again and it's just hard, man. Um, and that's why we're all emotionally and mentally unstable. This <laughs> is one of the most. Oh, she's great. She's great. It's one of the funniest interviews that I've ever done. And I, I mean, I just interviewed Effie and he was awesome, but uh, I've been interviewing a lot more uh, people in the independent circuit lately. And Shaza is great. Make sure you guys check that out. It will be up early on Fightful Select for uh, tier two subscribers. So make sure you all check that out. But Denise, I, I mean, you cover a lot of pop culture and I'm sure you've got some takes on this bad bunny business. I do. It's been a very big controversy on Twitter and the amount of people that are talking about it. I'm like, holy cow, what is happening here? I don't get it, man. Like, here's the thing. I always get a little annoyed when even if I interview somebody or I mention somebody and I put their name like, like, oh, here's what this person said. And somebody would go, who? And if you're doing that nine times out of 10, you're not really asking who. Um, one, you either know who you, who they are and you're being dismissive, or two, you're too lazy to type who is that into Google instead of my Twitter bar. Like, here's a, here's a tip, guys. You'll look a lot less stupid if instead of tweeting who's Bad Bunny, you go to Google and you type in who is Bad Bunny and you're going to see Grammy nominated. You're going to see billions of views, millions of streams, because you know what? I didn't know who Bad Bunny was two weeks ago. I know who Bad Bunny is now, and I see why WWE brought him in. It wasn't tough to figure out, Denise. And, of course, I said, oh, you know what? I've heard a couple of his songs. Kind of hard to miss them. Yeah. The Cardi, uh, Cardi B song, for one. 
I don't understand it. Why people just can't go to Google, Denise. <laughs> oh, shit. That's who this is. I don't know. It's weird. Okay, so let me just, I guess I'll start off with some background here. So I'll be honest, I didn't know much of Bad Bunny's music. I didn't really know any, to be honest, because it's mainly not my style of music that I actually listen to. However, I be I would see him like his name being mentioned in several different articles, you know, Billboard covers everybody in music. So I follow them and I see when they would talk about Bad Bunny. And then it wasn't because, you know, I'm all up on that pop music stand Twitter there with all like the queens and all of the drama that goes on there. If you want to see drama, get into stand Twitter. All right. There's some say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply drama there anyways but so i saw that they essentially posted and this is what i've been basing things off of just because this really puts things into perspective so when they announced the top 50 spotify artists for 2020 i look at the list to see where my girl taylor swift lands and i look at the top artist and i see bad bunny and i'm thinking bad bunny i was like really he's that popular and i look at the rest of the list and i saw that he beat bts with sean bts holy moly they they get some crazy insane views on everything tweets YouTube, whatever the case may be, if you tweet something about BTS right now, I can guarantee you, you'll get like tons of retweets and likes because their fandom is very on top of things. Then he beat a five-time Grammy winner in one year who won five-time Grammys, five Grammys in one year, Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish also broke her own amounts of records. And I'm a big Billie fan. So that should tell you like in terms of like the scope of people that he beat and not to mention Taylor Swift as well. Like the fact that he beat those artists for me really puts it into perspective in terms of how many streams that he was getting. Also beating Drake. I'm not a big Drake fan, but I know that he's obviously very, very popular. He beat those people. Then I went and I read this article on Forbes that basically talked about how he essentially got the most uh, hit songs on the Billboard Latin, I think, top 200. I think he essentially even beat out Shakira, something like that. So I couldn't believe that either. But just the fact that you see these accolades, just because... Again, just because you're not a fan of something doesn't mean that you can't recognize those accolades from a different artist. And I'm saying this, and you think I like to say that somebody beat Taylor Swift's numbers? (laughs) I don't. But that doesn't mean that you can't acknowledge and recognize the star power and all of that. And it was just kind of, to me, It I don't know if it's just 
the bias of, you know, what he looks like, what his music sounds like and what he portrays, where he's from and all of that. I almost feel like sometimes people can't necessarily uh, see somebody that's, you know, not a Britney Spears or not an indie artist that's, you know, respected or whatever, uh, making it to that big, you know, superstar level. And it's just one of those things where you really do have to get outside your bubble and realize that there are other people out there with different interests than you. And I actually went and listened to some of Bad Bunny's music. So I listened to some of his most popular songs on uh, Spotify. And they're very, they're very fun songs, very, uh, you know, different from what I normally listen to, but I can definitely see myself rocking out to some Bad Bunny you know, while I'm listening, while I'm doing my Zumba or something like that. So it is very fun, uh, very fun music, but very different. Okay. And but like I said, I just don't understand why people were so upset. And then also the fact that like, if you're I don't know, like, I just don't understand. Like, for example, Sean, if you had the option to bring, I don't know, some big giant celebrity with 30 million Instagram followers onto your show, you're telling me you're not going to take that opportunity. You don't know how many new viewers that person could drive onto your podcast. And that is exactly what WWE was doing with, you know, this bad bunny thing. And oh, oh, here's the other thing that I was thinking about. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but I have a lot no, to say. So. You know how many times I was sick and tired of hearing, oh, special guest performance by Kid Rock. Special guest performance yes. by Kid Rock. I was so sick and tired of Kid Rock, who by that point, he was coming out and doing appearances where he wasn't even relevant, not to mention that he has a terrible personality. And so, like, I am so happy that they're finally getting people that are relevant and people that are fans, too. That helps. But even if he wasn't a fan, uh, even if he wasn't a fan, I still think it's a pro for Bad Bunny. And I have been looking at the numbers on Instagram. He got over 9 million views from the clip that he posted. Compare that to WWE's who skyrocketed to, got over 2 million views. And even then, there's a big, you know, um, gap in views. But that's just to show you that, hey, just because you're not familiar with it doesn't mean that it sucks or it shouldn't be there. I completely agree. And again... I wasn't familiar with this guy. I, I didn't know a lot about him. I, I, Of course, I remember the Cardi B song, but you know what? It took me very, very little research to see 13.5 billion YouTube views, over 30 million subscribers. It was the most watched video from the Royal Rumble on YouTube. He's a Spanish-language singer, rapper, that had a number one album in America three top 10 or top five hits at that. Like it ain't tough to figure out why they did this. And for all those people that are going who that's kind of the point for him too. He wants to expose himself to an audience that probably isn't familiar with him. And, and WWE wants to expose themselves to an audience, you know, 20 somethings that they are struggling to gain a foothold with. Rob Reed says, it's like if someone would have said, who is Mr. T during the build of the first WrestleMania? Yes, he's a major star. Whether you think so or not. Derek Davis says, can I get Denise to translate the song Booker T? Tried on Google, but it feels like it doesn't make the most sense. Well, you know that one's top five on his Spotify most listens? I'm not surprised. It's number five. Luis says, can't summarize the song in captions, but it's basically him comparing himself to music royalty to King Booker. Not much to it, but it slaps. You're welcome, Derek. I mean, and and Hannah brings up a good point. Florida, Georgia line. Like when I was there when Florida, Georgia line was at the venue and I was like, oh, 
come on. Nick says, give me Bad Bunny and Priest versus Miz and Morrison at Mania. What do you think about that? I mean, it would get some some mainstream news. And I know that WWE is always going to be wanting that mainstream news when it comes especially to WrestleMania, which is, you know, very much built as a, you know, pop culture phenomenon, however they call it, you know. So I wouldn't mind it. I mean, like, screw it. Let's have some fun. Not everything has to be completely serious. <laughs> Hannah says, I never had interest in Florida. Georgia line uh, was there, but I wasn't offended when they performed. I just didn't watch. It's not that complicated. And we know right. people are always making fun of WWE too, saying that they get the bottom of the bottom when it comes to celebrities. And now they finally got yep. somebody that's not bottom. And there's so much outrage. It's wild. Ian Mullane says, if the Bucks win, do you see them challenging Callus plus one? Given the shit he's been up to recently, <laughs> which uh, platform is the women's uh, tournament on? It's supposed to be mostly on Dynamite. I would love to see them challenge Don Callis. I think it'd be funny to watch them super kick him a bunch. Dude, and just the way he would sell it, that's what I want to see. Yes. Brian Medina says, why can't WD do a two-night, one-night 2020 and night two 2021 Hall of Fame? Because now they'll have to catch up in following years. No, they won't. They, they're going to be fine. They're always going to have Hall of Fame inductees. They don't need to change anything. They don't need to, to do anything like that. Um, by the way, guys, I see you asking questions in the chat. You got to donate a super chat to get those answered. But you know what, Denise? What's next? If you want to hump like a bad bunny, check out our friends at bluechew.com and you'll be going all night. She'll be saying, I like it like that. <laughs> when you use bluechew.com and the code Fightful, it's got the same ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. But you don't need a doctor's visit. You don't need to go to the pharmacy. It's because it's prescribed online. They get you the right active ingredient because there's more than one. And there's one that might be right for you. It's prescribed online. Like I mentioned, you don't have to, you don't have to go through all that hassle, all the, the embarrassment. You really shouldn't be embarrassed anyway. You don't have to have a problem to use Blue Chew. It's about that performance. It's about that extra. It's about that confidence. That's what Blue Chew is there for. Oh man, I've got so many. Like I always have to pull laughing? back. I have to hold back when I do. Don't these, hold but... back. Don't hold back. Just do it. That's you can what you get, said. You can get. <laughs> you can get your first shipment free when you use the code Fightful. Just pay five dollars shipping. It's about that performance, my friends. It's about that confidence. Get to your glory days. Get to your peak. Especially. You know, people are are starting to to go out in the world. Things are things are looking a little safer. So you know, you don't want to make a, a bad impression whenever you're slinging that ding dong around. You know what I mean? Let them know that you heard about them from us. BlueChew.com and the code Fightful. We love the people at BlueChew. Georgia Mean says, what about Edge and Beth versus Gargano and Candice? I, I would love that. I would love if they did that match. Sure. I don't see a problem with it. Ooh, here's a good question. Brian Doyle asks, Denise, if you could put Taylor Swift in a match in WWE, who would she face and what would the stipulation be? Jesus Christ. Well, first of all, she'd be in WrestleMania, the main event. And I would put her up against, well, you know what? I would put her up against Becky Lynch or... The Rock, just so that it could be some big, grand, star-powered thing. And stipulation, uh, 
you know what? For fun, I'll do a TLC match since it's my favorite stipulation. I learned that it was your uh, yes favorite stipulation. My God. Can you imagine? That'd be pretty great. Oh, by the way, do you know what we're doing on the list and your girl goes on after Fightful Select or on Fightful Select after this? What are we doing? So I was like, man, it, there, there's not that much news this week. There's not a ton. I'm going to have you rate and review action figures, Denise. Even though I don't know anything about action figures? Yes, yes, of course. Okay, sure. Yes. I'll do it. Let's do it. My God. I'm excited for it. I've got some very interesting ones for multiple series over here, but I wanted to hold off the the Lars Sullivan thing because I didn't know how much time we were going to devote to it, but I've got a lot of unique information about this one, Denise. Um, Lars Sullivan has been released by WWE. Uh, The news was out there uh, by PW Insider, and I I had a line of communication to Lars Sullivan. I met him like, Five years ago in Columbus at the Arnold Sports Festival was very cordial. That line of communication still existed. So I reached out to him and he confirmed it. And we talked a lot about this. And Are you surprised that he Yeah, yeah I was. I was because I, I think I'd only reached out to him a few times over the years for obvious things to say, hey, would you like to comment or, or ask him about an injury update? I was very surprised. And it was immediate too. And uh yeah. Who boy. So first off, there were big plans for for Lars. And this is separate of the conversation that that I had with him. I had heard there were plans for Brock Lesnar and John Cena involving Lars Sullivan. Vince McMahon loved him and all that stuff. Uh, the message board posts came out, and that was some abhorrent shit. Some really gross stuff that he said in those message board posts. And I had WWE wrestlers that were coming to me unsolicited, and they were saying, Lars came and apologized to me. Lars apologized to this person, this person, this person. They wanted it known that he was making the effort. So when I spoke to Lars, he had said, you know, based on some of the things that I've done, I would know that every time I walked into a room, I would be judged for it. And he was like, it's like, it's a weird feeling. And he's like, but nobody ever bullied me. Nobody ever made fun of me to me. Nobody ever made it hard on me. He was like, the locker room made it very easy on me. The office made it very easy on me. Like He was very complimentary of the WWE roster and management for how they handled this. But the reality of the situation is he told me that he was battling some really crippling anxiety because, let's be real, he had a video drop that was that, that's going to change the course of your life when something like that emerges. The message board post, he called self-imposed. He said it was his own idiocy. He called himself his own worst enemy. A lot of things. Like, I, I didn't know how this would go, Denise. Like, I mean, what, have you ever really heard him speak out of character? No. So, I mean, I didn't know how this would be. I didn't know if he'd be like, eh, yeah, people took it wrong. He was like, no, I was stupid and I deserved all that shit. I was and actually I was, surprised by that, reading the reports that he was very apologetic. Oh, he was. He was. And he got that knee injury after he was called up. Now, keep in mind, he had a big panic attack when he was first called up, too. And they they brought him back, and they're like, okay, well, maybe not the plans that we had for you, the major ones, but the Lucha House Party. Then he had a knee injury. And WWE was always like, man, he's going to be out for a year. They told me that. 
Uh, I had other people that were like, no, Lars thinks that he's going to be back in like six, seven, eight months. About halfway into that, I'm hearing his career might be over. That's how bad this knee injury is. So, I mean, you got all that. You got him getting called up, panic attack. Those message board posts emerge, which again, his own doing. He gets a severe knee injury. He's trying to come back. And then something that I guess isn't out there, his dad died. And I mean, that's... And the video dropping around all that, I'm like, that's going to add some anxiety, whether self-imposed or not. He was telling me that he does, didn't really eat on TV days. He was having trouble sleeping. He couldn't really focus or anything like that. It was tough for him to really do anything. So he told WWE, hey, I, I think I'm done. I don't think I can do this. I don't think this is for me. And he said this was his dream, his dream job, and he wanted to pursue it, but again, that a lot of these issues were self-imposed. So he couldn't like be mad about it, that, that he set a lot of these chain of events forward. He took an awful lot of responsibility. So I asked him, I'm like, well, what, what did you think of the shirtless promo? Because that got a lot of weird reactions. What was your reaction when you saw that promo? I didn't like it. And I'll be the first to say, even though like hearing all of these things, I do feel bad for Lars Sullivan. Um. I'm not a perfect human, so I'll just admit that I was sure. on the anti-Lars Sullivan bandwagon there. I didn't care to see him on my television. I wasn't a fan, and I completely hated everything that he was doing on SmackDown. I'm going to be real with you because that's exactly how I felt, and those were my words each and every single week when I recapped SmackDown, was that I was not a fan of Lars Sullivan. And I truthfully, I didn't understand um, at, the, at the time, I really didn't understand why they were still trying to do something with him. Uh -huh. However, after reading, you know, what you posted on, on Select and, you know, hearing you say it now, it almost feels like, you know, we, we as fans, we don't know what necessarily goes on behind the scenes. I personally was completely unaware of the fact that he was, you know, apologizing to people and, you know, was essentially hum humiliated by all of this. And sometimes I think that it's so easy for us as outsiders to just be like, oh, well, he fucked up, like, ha ha, jokes on yeah. him, cancel culture, all of that, attack, 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 as long as it's not me, right? And while I do not agree with a lot of the things that I don't agree with anything that he said, and I do find it yeah. very ironic that he said those things and then that video resurfaced, um, I, I do not feel bad that he got shit for those message board right. posts. Not not a one bit. He did that. Um, he didn't take the steps to apologize for it, but he still did it. I said a lot of stupid shit when I was younger, but I know that I grew from it. And I look back now and I'm like, man, that would hurt somebody. That, that, that could have hurt. Did, Sean, like a lot yeah. of people, a lot of people act like they didn't. But the truth is, like, I know people don't want to say this, but times were kind of different back then. They were, and I mean, granted, I, and granted, I never said anything remotely like what was said there. That was some, again, yeah. aberrant shit. Um, I still don't want to see anybody suffer. I don't want to see anybody suffer, especially when people that I respect and people that I have learned from, and let me tell you, people that are respected by, I would say about 98% of the people watching this show went out of their way to come to me and say, he's doing his best, he's, he's, trying to make amends he's doing all this and he's a very reserved guy is what i was told like he would keep to himself before all this much less after all this but so, 
Sean, do you think that there maybe was a mistake there too? Because when I see Law, when I would see Lars on SmackDown, he just had that go away, get out of my TV type of vibe. I don't want to see you. I don't care. Blah, blah, blah. Do you think maybe people like myself would have felt differently had he maybe done something, maybe opened up about it more in a public way prior to this? Like, I think. I think maybe. I think so. And I mean, Titus was one of the people that went to bat for him. Titus was one of the people that was like, yes, he's apologizing to people and he means it. And if if he didn't mean it, I don't think Titus would put his neck on the line publicly for that. But um, I I don't know. I, WWE clearly did not want the PR associated with that. They did not want the PR associated with the fact that he said that stuff. Because quite frankly... He was he was fined heavily, but when he came back, there was that whole video thing that dropped. And if you're going to go on a PR tour about one, the other's going to get brought up. And WWE wasn't going to punish him for that video coming out because you can't. 15 years ago, they would have. 15 years ago, they would have cut him straight off. You can't do that anymore, Denise. You can't shame someone for that type of behavior. If they would have released Paige after those those leaked videos dropped of her, that would have caused so much shit because that's her life. That's her privacy. Now, granted, this is a little bit different. This wasn't a private thing that got leaked. It was something that was released consensually. Uh, but I knew that they weren't going to do that. But I heard there wasn't any heat associated with them and they were still going to try to give him a push. But I even asked him, I was like, did you think that that shirtless promo was being... Like, was that a test? Because I had a, a very high up person that said it was either a test or sabotage. And if it was a test, he passed it. And he said, no, I loved it. He was like, I didn't mind doing that at all. He's like, I thought it was kind of funny and kind of entertaining. And they were trying to add depth to my character. And he was like, they liked it. I liked it. But then he was never on TV after that. But he did hammer home. Like, he made his bed and WWE was very good to him. But the circumstances did not facilitate him having a career in the public eye. And again, that was one of those things he was like stuff that he did. So this brings, obviously I have a lot of questions and this one's the one I want to ask you. So my big question is what happened? What happened from point A of acceptance? Nobody's bullying me. I've apologized. I did my sensitivity training. I paid my 100 K. I mean, what more can you do? Right. How do you go from point A to in between he's doing the SmackDown stuff? They're really putting him a commentary was really putting him over like the free clerks a little bit. He was getting, you know, he got two wins from that during that month and on SmackDown. How do you go from there to you're gone? What happened there to say we no longer have interest in pursuing you further as a superstar? That's what my conclusion is. Based on my conversation with him, it seemed like he made that call like that. And it was a physical and mental health type of thing, because when he's not on TV, it's it's less worrisome. He's he's went dark on a lot of social media and all that. But he said that he wasn't sleeping and it was tough for him to eat during the days of TV. And he was just like, I'm not doing this anymore or I can't do this anymore. I don't want to I don't want to put words in his mouth because I don't remember the specific phrasing. But it was something like he went there and was like, can't do it anymore. 
And he really, really put over WWE for this. He was like, they handled it with honesty and with compassion and they did really good about it. And they understood my situation and it was probably best for all involved type of thing. And when you look at it and I look at it, and this is my personal opinion, I think he probably would be better off in a trade doing something outside of the public eye based on his history. Uh, I think it'd probably be best. And it's probably better for WWE as well, Denise. So, okay, because when this was first reported, I saw it. My perspective of this was WWE felt the hatred from the fans. They realized there was nothing they could do with Lars Sullivan. He had been too tainted. That was my initial assumption. But now, based on all of this, it seems to me now like it was more, it wasn't really necessarily completely 100% a WWE decision. Is that right? Based on my perception, it seemed very mutual that he was like, I can't do this. And they were like, well, you don't have to type of thing. That, that's how it seems to me. I can't really confirm that because, I mean, I, would, I also asked him if he had a 90-day and he didn't, he didn't really say anything about that. He indicated to me that he seemed like he was done with wrestling but then made a joke about, well, maybe, maybe I could use so-and-so gimmick if I went to the Indies and joked about his, his name being Lars with a Z uh, but that was just him being a little bit light and I think trying to make the best of, of that situation. But yeah, it's, it's, I don't know for sure. I haven't heard from a WWE official about this and I've asked, but it seemed like he wanted out and they were like, probably best for all of us if, if we do this. Well, that makes more sense to me because I'll be honest with you. When I first heard this and I saw a lot of people comment this and I even brought it up on your live stream, I was like, wait, why Lars Sullivan, but not Velveteen Dream? And I hate to be like, oh, this person should lose their job. But in terms of like public outrage and what, you know, I really, I'm the person that believes where there's smoke, there's fire. So, uh, you know, with that being said, it was very, it was very confusing to me to be like, well, why this, but not that? I think Velveteen Dream wanted out. If he wanted out, I think they'd let him go. I think if he wanted out and he was like, I'm also done wrestling, they would definitely let him go. WWE has always had a fear of people making money elsewhere for somebody else. I think they're past that point with Velveteen Dream. He needs like, and, and I, I don't want to go in personally on that because I, I evidence is very important in these situations. Uh, Dante says, not a fan of the board post, but Lars should not be taking any grief for that video. Can't believe people are giving him or anyone grief for sex work. Yeah, guys, if you're one of those people that are going to do that, I don't want you as a viewer. I don't want you as a reader. I don't need your business. I don't need your subscription. That ain't that ain't going to uh, be something that we shame here. And I, I, Sean, I was confused on this because I didn't, I don't know, based on, I don't know, if, are people making fun of him because he did, you know, the adult yes, videos? Yes, 100%. Or yeah. because he had said homophobic. Both remarks and then came out in the video because there's two different things of course both but i mean i don't i mean there's definitely some some area there like one shouldn't have said that shit shouldn't have ever said that shit i don't think a man should be getting crap for doing that personally is it something i would have done probably not uh definitely not but i i just don't think that that's something worth going at somebody uh, about but uh, fightfulselect.com will have more on this and again i i think that the message board posts were absolutely gross and he deserved the punishment that he got from that and he deserved the the backlash that he got from that but uh, i don't want anybody to suffer in that regard so uh, we have a couple super chats as we wrap up 
JJ says, shout out to Joe and Molly on their recent features. Bad Bunny and Rabbit Ears doing a spot off the plank and hopping off the deck uh, doing a rabbit splash at Mania. Molly Bell is fantastic. Joe Holbert is fantastic. Please support them. MC Carvalho says, have you heard anything on an Eva Marie Parker pairing? They look like a million bucks. Parker ain't nowhere near ready, my friends. Ain't nowhere near ready. Uh, I'll have more on him on FightfulSelect.com in the coming weeks. Uh, Ian Mullane says, if Edge goes after Roman, do you think they do a Naomi-Beth match as a family story on the way, or they leave Naomi on Raw? I think they'll leave Naomi on Raw. Naomi, they're they're not going to have Naomi, like, cape for Roman because she's his sister-in-law. I don't think they're doing that, Denise. No, I feel like they're really keeping them separate on that end. And our friend JL says, I also want to add that Bad Bunny is a massive ally and supporter of the LGBTQ community and has an extremely strong following there. Another demographic that could check out the product simply because he's in it. Much love. You want to expand as much as you possibly can, Denise. Actually, I'm fact about that. So when the whole like election thing was going down and take this however you will, but there was a stat that basically put the top two artists that were most listened to by by uh, Democratic voters and the top two artists were Bad Bunny and Taylor Swift. Really? Yes. Interesting. Which I mean, based on a thing that I saw Dave Meltzer post like that, that wrestling seemed to lean more liberal. I had never seen like a study like that. That was very, very interesting considering the preconceived notions about wrestling fans and Southern conservatives, racism and, and all that stuff. So, Hey, I, I'm, we also have a very large contingency in, in LGBTQ. Our, our female demographic is significantly higher than any other wrestling website out there. Something that, I'm Is very really? proud of. Oh that. yeah, way higher. I mean, it's still negligible in comparison to the male demographic, but that's something that I look at on our YouTube, on our Fightful Select, and all that stuff. And it's way higher than any other site that I've been at, and I'm very happy about that because I had posted like early on, we would have Anna on shows, and there would be so many dudes that would be threatened. And I know you've seen this a million times, Denise. They'd be like, oh, my God, a woman with a wrestling opinion. I'm threatened. I'd tell those people to hit the fucking bricks. See ya. I don't need you. I don't need you. If that's what threatens you, I don't need you in this. I don't need you in this because we have cultivated a very good community. WWE should want to cultivate as as positive of a community as they can with as little toxicity as they can to welcome people. Like Denise, you're—I I tell you all the time—you're breaking down a lot of barriers. It shouldn't have been you. It should have been somebody a long time ago. Like there should have been way more people welcomed in into wrestling and wrestling media and doing all this stuff. And if Bad Bunny can help bring that type of audience over, I think it's a good thing. I think so too. <laughs> Denise, tell the people where they can find you besides of course on the list and your girl goes on on Fightful Select after this where she's reviewing action figures yeah I can't wait uh, please go check out my YouTube channel youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo and there's going to be a video coming out that Sean and I did I, I won't spoil that just yet but we'll I'll post that up later like you'll see it so make sure to go there uh, I do have a recent interview with Matt Cardona that's up I did a lot of Royal Rumble stuff you can I mean if you still want to listen to Royal Rumble reviews you can if not you can check out my my reaction video did you finally see it though where I was reacting to Bianca Belair winning yes. 
Oh, yes. you saw it? Okay. M- must be uh, nice to get to interview Matt Cardona, Denise. Exactly. So we got to chat too. I kind of learned a little bit about toys and action figures in that interview, but there's a lot of stuff. Please go there, youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo. I'm going to be making some more future announcements about that channel pretty soon too. And then, um, oh yeah, Twitter and Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo. Guys, I'm back for the Wednesday Night War tonight, but head over to Fightful Select. Denise is going to rate some toys. Until next time, we're out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.